The Guardian. Six Nations Rugby with Ian Payne. Hello and welcome once again to the Six Nations show on guardian.co.uk with myself, Ian Payne, and a plethora of important guests this evening. It's the last one. I'm sorry, it's all over for another year. And now we know that the good times have returned for Wales. But does another Grand Slam herald an era of greatness as it did in the 70s or will it be another false dawn as it was in 2005? England finished with a flourish and some say Danny Cipriani should be the country's new captain. But how does one explain such a contradictory championship in terms of results and performances? Ireland looked destined to part company with coach Eddie O'Sullivan, although he says he's still 100% committed to the job. Scotland beat England and that's about it. And Italy finished with a win, so everyone thinks they'll be competitive next year, but they always say that about Spurs, don't they? And last but by no means least, the French are l'enigme. We have no idea either. On today's show, we have the Observer's rugby correspondent and proud Welshman, the man who's entertained us all with his combative commentary with Brian Moore for the past seven weeks at the BBC, Eddie Butler. How are you, Eddie? Uh, very well, thank you, Ian, as you might imagine. I should make You probably are. Uh, here in the studio, I'm joined by the Guardian writers, Ian Malin and Martin Pengeli. All right, boys? Yep. We're very well, thank you. Very well, very well. I'm pleased to say we're also uh, joined by the former Welsh international, Rupert Moon. How are you, Rupert? Yeah, a little bit weary, <laughs> emotionally drained as well. Uh, did you have a late night? Uh, yeah. What time did you get to bed? Uh, I think it was about uh, half past three, four o'clock. Good man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start with the Welsh then, seeing as you are the champions, you are the Grand Slammers. Um, Eddie, deserved Grand Slammers? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, one slice of luck, which was uh, the first game against England, and then after that, I think they, they handled the the run of games very well and uh, they changed their tactics they had an overall strategy they they responded to their coaches they picked teams for each individual game and they finished with a flourish i thought it was a very very well run campaign rupert what would you like to say about it yeah you can only uh, admire and, uh, and bask in the glory of course of this uh, fantastic victory uh, to win the championship in grand slam but it's the efficiency i was so impressed with you know we've able to um, to curb our uh, romantic way of playing and and show that we can be efficient and patient and uh, fantastic you know 128 tackles made against a French side that really didn't want to play much but we still had to make the tackles and that's what they did you know they only missed um, it was five or six in the game so uh, very impressive is that because uh, the coaching staff are very un-Welsh yeah, well I, I I think they're we use the phrase they're uh, born winners uh, and they know what it takes to win. Uh, as I say, we, and I'm sure Eddie will agree, we, we have tried to play the Welsh way uh, and when we do, when it clicks, it's fantastic. But the consistency is what we've always lacked, certainly. And what these guys do is uh, make the side be consistent and by saying, right, don't play and, and our game breakers will find the gap given time when it will appear. But don't worry about it otherwise. Eddie, I was listening to a, a former rugby union international from Wales today saying the reason we've won is we've forgotten the past. Well, there's always a battle in Wales against the past. And I think actually 2005 went some way to burying the, uh, the shadow of the 1970s. But of course, that was a false dawn. But at least it, it, it updated rugby. And uh, there was an immediate need to, to respond to very modern failings. And I think, I think a lot of detail went into this, uh, this improvement. I think if you just look at the way Wales defended yesterday, they made the tackles and they immediately got back on their feet and then they stretch into this line that they commit as few 
players as possible to the breakdown area, but players bounce back on their feet and take up their position in the defensive line. It's, it's very detailed. It requires high fitness levels, and I just think you can say, say that that was all part of the very disciplined approach. Fitness levels were improved, and the response to specific instructions, it showed a, it showed a, a willingness on the part of the players to respond to guidance. Let's uh, get a sort of neutral-ish view then from a couple of Englishmen about mm-hmm. where Wales go from here. And I'll get the Welsh um, view in just a second. Martin, is this another false dawn or do you suspect this has actually got some meat in it? I think there's a bit more meat to the Welsh compared to 2005. I would suggest that perhaps final judgment can be delayed for a while. Well, obviously final judgment, but proper judgment can be delayed for a while on where they go from here. They definitely deserve the Grand Slam. Absolutely, but there are bigger tests to come in the summer and the autumn, which will really define how they're going to go. I was just going to ask ask you that, Ian. How do you feel they'll go against South Africa, the world champions? I can't see them winning in South Africa, but who knows? I mean, uh, certainly Wales deserve to win the Six Nations. They play the, the best rugby, though. You know, some marvelous. How do you account there. for the but change so quickly after the World Cup? I think, as Eddie said, I think they got the sort of small details right. They were, they were well coached, sort of quite ruthless selections, and they had a sort of belief about them after winning at England against all the odds they were 19-6 down they played with great panache how do you feel they'll get on in the summer Eddie? well under Gareth Jenkins on tour in Australia they very nearly pulled off a, a very good victory in Australia so mm. they travel better now I mean Warren Gatland he was very shrewd when he said you know this, this side it will take two years to come to maturity he didn't really expect them to be Grand Slam winners right now. And so everything is in all, it's a bit of a whirl at the moment. I mean, realistically, they shouldn't be able to win in South Africa. But goodness me, I mean, Warren Gatlin has had such a mesmerizing effect on the whole situation in Wales. He could carry the team on on this wave and, and anything could happen. Yeah, we, wanna, we would just don't want to know just about the rugby. We want to know about the fans, the enjoyment. Rupert, what was it like in Cardiff last night? <laughs> yeah, there, was, there were bodies strewn in every doorway because it, it was heavy rain, but it, I think it, it looked like it was a summer's night, the amount of people that were out there. I walked from the stadium to a well-known night spot with a, a few friends and met up with some of the team members and the French guy and was actually drinking with Olivier Merle, so I felt very comfortable. Did you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't well, say much, does he? But he just uh, gives you that knowing glance and an arm around your shoulder. But it was, a, you know, it was a fantastic experience. I think it was different. And I, I would love to have seen uh, my old mate Max Boyce doing a bit of sing-song. We'd gone a bit too... Uh, that's the past. Football-y. That's the past, isn't it? You want the yeah, past. but yeah, you can you can celebrate the past and enjoy the, the present as well. So uh, yeah, um, my fear. I always have a nagging fear in my mind that you know, we, in, when Graham Henry was coach, we, this we, they had a group of players, didn't have many injuries. They dominated ten games on the bounce. Um, we've been very fortunate with injuries on this the Six Nations. Uh, up front is the real battle, and when you're kind of talking about South Africa and New Zealand and Australia, is if you don't win the ball and if the line out and the scrum aren't as solid as they have been, that's where the pressure comes and that changes the game completely. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. But fingers crossed we don't have key injuries in the uh, front and second row. You weren't in Tiger Tiger, were you? Yeah. You were? <laughs> oh, what a good guess. Were all the Welsh players there? Uh, there were a few, a lot of French actually, uh, <laughs> that, that decided to join. But there was a there was a mix and match, and uh, everybody acted very sensibly. Le Tigre, Tigre, à Cardiff. <laughs> very good. Got a couple of blogs. Uh, Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. If you'd like to post your opinion, this is from Dial of View. 
from Hull, who says, Wales' defence and athleticism were monumental. They played like New Zealand and, ironically, like France when they beat the Kiwis in the World Cup. Let the opposition have all the possession, suffocate them and score off the turnovers. What cost them after the last Grand Slam was a severe injury crisis and the disruptive influence of certain players. They ain't going to try that with Gatland and Edwards. No player would. Uh, Mimi Tig from Birmingham says, I wouldn't trade a Grand Slam for anything in the World Cup. I grew up going to the Arms Park and watching the greats of the 70s. JJ and JPR, Phil Bennett, Merv the Swerve, Gareth Edwards, the late great and much missed Ray Gravel. For me, winning this weekend is emotional and glorious and far, far more important than a World Cup. But I guess that just means I'm middle-aged and love the old days when the only meaningful competition then was the then five nations. Winning World Cup's bigger and better, isn't it, Martin? Uh, if I say yes, will I get in trouble? I'm you can say whatever you like. Uh, OK, yes, it's bigger and better, I think. But then winning the World Cup can do bad things to a country's rugby, can't it? <laughs> Wales's challenge now is to not let success go to their head, as England may have done. What do you think, Eddie? I think, realistically, the, the Six Nations is a genuine goal for Wales. You know, if they, if they sort of sat down and think, can we win the World Cup? They'd probably say no. They could now, couldn't they, if it was uh, played now? Well, uh, yeah, I suppose what they have taken, they've taken a giant stride to some sort of global credibility that they might just have slipped out of the European way of thinking and thought, well, we could do something in the World Cup. The trouble is with Wales that um, they have a shocking record in the World Cup. Somehow the, the sort of configuration of games and the, the rhythm of the World Cup doesn't sit easily with them, but the Six Nations does. So... They have to make as much improvement in the World Cup as they've just done in the Six Nations. We're going to speak to, hopefully, Sean Edwards a little later on. So I'll just ask the two of you, Rupert and Eddie. Rupert, first of all, it would be mad if he didn't carry on his job, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I was a little bit surprised to hear and listening to him on the radio and on the TV today saying that he hasn't signed his deal. I know there's a, the devil is in the detail, but it does concern me that he hasn't already because he wasn't putting it out of his mind that a phone call could come from England and if it, the ink isn't dry on the on the contract. But but anyway, yeah, I think he's an Im- immense character. We need him to the World Cup and we need him to stay to the World Cup and not lose him a, a, a year before, which I think the date on the contract was 2010. Have you met him? Do you, what do you think of him? I, yeah. I um, I have met him once or twice. I had an interesting one. I was doing commentary on a game that uh, Wasps were playing in, and I uh, I questioned the defensive line of Wasps and Uh-oh. said that they push right close to it and sometimes go over the threshold oh, no. and get away with it. And he phoned me the next day oh. <laughs> and said, "No, we don't." <laughs> oh <laughs> no! Yeah, I know, but uh, all uh, very amicable. But yeah, it's uh, like that a scene, passionate guy. It's like that scene in Forty Towers, isn't it, where the Irish builder comes in and says, "Oh, it'll be <laughs> all right, Mrs. Forty." Goes, "Oh no, don't do that." <laughs> Yeah. Eddie, what do you think? I, uh, the Welsh Rugby Union was saying today that no, he hasn't signed anything, but he's got a verbal contract with his friend Warren Gatland until 2010, and that's as good as his bond. Yeah, you have to, you have to appreciate that the, a Welsh hand is never far from the self-destruct button. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, and if, there is a, if there is a threat to progress now, I mean, it would be the loss of Sean Edwards. England would be foolish not to reconsider their position concerning Sean Edwards, and... Uh, and I imagine they could offer him a load more money than, than Wales could. But I think he's probably enjoyed his time in Wales. I mean, for the coaches, this has been as much a, a whirlwind adventure as it has been for the players. So there is that. There is this sort of, if rugby's going well in Wales, you have a ball. You have a really good time. And that won't have been lost on Sean Edwards. And he, does, he obviously works well with Warren Gatland. So let's just hope, for Wales' sake, that, um, that they stick together. Because if they do, then you really can see 
progress being made on all fronts. Fantastic. Well, we'll hopefully speak to Sean a little later on. Let's just move it on. First of all, a quick word from all of you uh, about the French. Ian, um, what, what have we made of their campaign? Because I have uh, no idea. Well, uh, Mark Lievremont has used the uh, Six Nations as his laboratory. Well, he doesn't think the Six Nations is as important as the World n- Cup, does he? Not n- Certainly not. It, certainly not this season. Now, um, a lot of people have written quite sniffily about it, um, saying that it doesn't respect the traditions of the tournament and is an insult to the supporters. I think Lievremont's been quite canny and I think he has with his team uh, that played in Cardiff this weekend you could see that that's pretty much his full strength side and I don't think he'll carry on the experiment next year but you know he's introduced 17 newcomers and it's been quite interesting for the tournament it shows the depth of French rugby. Rupert, what were the French players telling you in Tigre, Tigre last night? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, between the, um, the glasses of champagne here and there, I, I think they know they're in that transitional phase and uh, they're ruthless in the fact that it's a, it's a World Cup that they want. They have won the, the Six Nations a number of times in the past and they want to get the depth in squad the new blood through, and uh, we won't see what France has got to offer until two years out from a World Cup. Ian, you were at Twickenham over the weekend, so you saw England, uh, I wouldn't say demolished, but beat, in the end, Ireland quite comfortably. What do we make of England? Well, Brian Ashton, after the game, um, said that the Six Nations was an opportunity lost, really. They were a little bit flat. Having said that, a certain Danny Cipriani had a mesmeric performance. He didn't put a foot wrong. Even when he tripped up taking that last penalty, the ball went over. He's added a real extra dimension to England's back play. Should he be captain, as some people are saying already? I don't think so, eventually. I mean, uh, maybe you know, in two or three years' time, but one or two of the hard-bitten forwards might find uh, Danny Cipriani's captain a little bit much to take. Uh, uh, Martin, what have mm. you made of uh, England in this Six Nations, and what does the future hold? I've made of England about as much of a mess as they've made of the whole thing. I think I'm not quite sure. I was yesterday happy to see some good tries. I didn't think they were necessarily all good. I would give a special mention to Jamie Noon, who I thought was outstanding and would get lost possibly in the Cipriani fuss. OK, let's get a, a Welsh view on the English. <laughs> Rupert, I know you've got a dash, but Rupert, final point from you. What did you make of, of England? Yeah, I, I think they need a Gatlin-esque touch. I, I was coached by Brian Ashton. Again, he had this creative edge, but I, I, I see him more as a number two. I think they need a Dean Ryan, Dean Richards type to lead them forward going into the summer and beyond. That's where they need to go. They have the wonderful egos that are, are with it, and they are able to. Uh, <laughs> they believe in it sometimes, but they are fallible. And I think Dean Richards or Dean Ryan would give them a bit more steel. Do you believe that they can change their game from the so-called traditionally inverted commas English ten-man approach? No, I generally don't. <laughs> really? You know, I, I watch the Premiership stuff, and, and they play winning rugby, and that's what they want to do. They get to a World Cup final without having to play much, and uh, that's successful. They've got big, big guys, big forwards, and uh, why should they try and do it any other way? On which note? Mm-hmm. We say adieu to uh, Rupert. Thank- <laughs> Rupert, thank you very much for sparing the time tonight. No problem. OK, enjoy these celebrations. I'm sure they'll yeah. go on a bit longer than just one night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sound a bit fragile. You all right? Yeah, no, no. I, I couldn't get too drunk. I've got two young kids, so uh, you can't, can't come home with a hangover because my wife would never allow it. Fair enough. I'll believe you. <laughs> Eddie, give us the BBC overview of, it, of England, would you? I think the aberration with England was their World Cup of 2007. And their aberration was to play fantastically after that defeat against South Africa in the pool, 36-0. Their response to that was an abnormal response. I can't see any other side in the world being able to pull themselves together after that. 
but normal service has been resumed in England for the past <laughs> five years. It's been pretty ordinary in the Six Nations. And, you know, the 2003 side was, was, was utterly brilliant and old, and they went, and England really haven't found anybody to replace them, which is entirely natural. You know, great players just don't grow on trees, and especially not in England, where the feeder system was the old um, Zurich Premiership or whatever it was, you know, the Allied Dunbar and now the, the Guinness Premiership. It has been fairly stodgy stuff until now. I and mean, the great future for England is that the club rugby scene is very vibrant now. There's some good matches to be had week in, week out. And there is this generation coming through who only know open attacking rugby. And these are the players that will respond to the sort of Brian Ashton philosophy. Which is? Which is liberation. You know, solid platform, but let's get out there and play. But to transform good club rugby into successful international rugby is still hell of a leap. It, it, it can't be stressed too much that it is a, it's a massive step up and everything you're used to with your club suddenly gets compressed and tightened and your brain is forced to think in, in fractions of a second. It is mm. very, very difficult to change a, a, a national psyche on the rugby field. Um, Ian, yeah. Rupert's obviously not convinced that England can change the way they play. You know, you can't change your spots, but can they? I think so. Now Cipriani is destined to wear the number 10 shirt. What will be interesting is what happens to uh, Johnny Wilkinson because it was quite convenient for Ashton to bring on Wilkinson at inside centre for Flood, who was injured early on. What I don't know if Eddie has a view, but is it possible, Eddie, that Wilkinson would go to New Zealand and mentor Cipriani and play a, a shadow role? And, and, and can you see him as a possible inside centre for the next year or so? Yeah, I can. I, and I think um, 12 has been hovering over Johnny's head for quite some mm. time now. I mean, if if everybody had been fit on the Lions tour of 2005, wasn't it? Yeah. I think he'd have been 12 to Stephen Jones at 10. Um, but it's the age thing. It's just, just old father time. That, you know, mm. Johnny Wilkinson, five years ago, was head and shoulders above everybody in the, in the outside half position. Eddie, he's only 28. I know, I know, but he's been around a long time. A decade in top flight when your body's been smashed all over the place. It's hell of an ordeal. But do you think uh, Twickenham man would accept an England side without Wilkinson? Because even yesterday I heard someone, overheard someone behind me saying, oh, it all went right, didn't it, when Johnny came on? <laughs> it's the shock and, uh, of the new, Ian. It's the shock <laughs> of the new. Can you, can you see Ashton dropping him permanently? or, or no, Is, is it conceivable? Not no, not yet. No, not yet. I, I really can't. But I, I, I think he is not the player he was. No. That, that no. The, uh, others have come through... He has dropped off and others have come through. Mm. But I think he was such a good player in the old days that he, he should be able to adapt to a number 12. I suppose the one thing that is exposed now is his lack of um, pace in attack, mm. whereas Cipriani takes it up to the advantage line and, yeah. and he, he just seems nervous. You know, you watch James Hook playing as well. They just seem ice cold under pressure and... I don't know, I reckon Johnny just looks a bit worried by the whole thing. Uh, here's some blogs on Cipriani. Burley from Stevenage says, Cipriani's passing and execution were generally miles ahead of anything we've seen from Wilco since his return from injury. Having a 10 that can pass, run, kick and land his goals. Amazing. Why didn't we think of that earlier? Longfields, uh, who's contacted editor from Seven Oaks, says, hugely promising but not the finished article yet, Cipriani. Why has it taken, though, until the last game of the Six Nations to pick him? Never mind the charade of the Scotland pick and drop. He should have been in against Italy. England have got to start building now. What do you think about that point? Well, I think if you think back ten years, the last game of the Six Nations, Johnny Wilkinson came on against Ireland, and we're not, we haven't been complaining since then. So 
if you take uh, the Evermore type of view about thinking about development too, then Cipriani's had a couple of tastes, misbehaved, been told off for misbehaving, come back in, and now he's set. I think there's not something to worry about, really. Let's have a word then about uh, Ireland and Scotland, Martin. Um, Ireland's destined <laughs> to part company with Eddie O'Sullivan. Maybe they won't, but that seems to be the general feeling. It looks like it. I kind of feel I should carry on going on and on about their A game and waiting for them to actually produce it, because I've been predicting them to win for a couple of weeks, and they haven't. Mm. They seem in a bit of a, a psychological mess. I think I was going to make a point earlier about Wales being the only team who really played the Six Nations um, hang-up free, as far as I could see, probably because of their coaches. Everyone else was in a practically gibbering wreck. What, what do you mean, psychologically? What, what are you talking Well, there's speculation over uh, O'Sullivan. I suppose uh, this is an outsider's point of view, but you've always got the Irish provincial situation where certain provinces are supposed to hate other provinces, and sometimes there are no Ulster players in the team, sometimes there are. I don't know whether that's... How so are you that saying that there can never be a great Irish No, team? Not, not at all, because they got close to being great in the past few years. Uh, something's wrong in the island camp, because they still have the players, and none of them are really particularly too old. Ian? I think it may be time for a change. There seems to be a rather gloomy atmosphere around Ireland post-World Cup. All through the Six Nations, they're, they're, they've looked slumped shoulder look about them. There's a mm. weakness to be detected, I think, in Irish domestic rugby or provincial mm. rugby where you look at um, the centre situation when they had Horgan and Trimble who didn't go too well Munster who provide the entire pack don't provide any backs no. outside the halfbacks because mm. their two centres are Kiwis which seems very strange in a provincial setup, which is set up to feed the national team and especially when you don't give Connacht much uh, credence then you're down to three and if two of those teams are playing key positions with non-Irishmen then there's something very wrong there mm. uh, Let's talk about Scotland then Eddie what, what have you made of Scotland's six nations and what does the future hold for them? Well, despite everything, and, and despite Scotland-England being, I think, the worst game of international <laughs> rugby I've seen in, in, in 13 years, I think Scotland are pretty, pretty close to being a good side. And I, I come back to this sort of feeder system. I think Andy Robinson with, with Edinburgh has got something going there. And I think uh, Sean Lee with Glasgow is on the right track. They, they're trying to get this um, high-continuity, offloading, very athletic game amongst the forwards going. It's, it's, it's happening. It's happening, and, and Scotland want to, to emulate that. And they do have these rangy forwards who can, who can play that sort of stuff. And, and, and again, it's not easy to translate it into the international stage because of the constriction of time and space. Um, I thought Mike Blair was outstanding at number nine, and I think they've got a genuine problem at ten, almost as grievous a problem as, as Italy have, mm-hmm. finding Definitely. some halfbacks. But if they do manage to sort out the number ten, I think Scotland would be a very good side. But they don't score any tries, do they? Well, that's because they, they just kick the ball away badly, you know. Mm. But they they got a good pack of forwards and they've got some good back three players. But they just have to sort themselves out and pose problems. Ireland, you, know, you have to be looking to move ahead. Ireland have done nothing for three seasons now except be Ireland. And, and people work you out. And, you know, you, you get analysed and, and everybody says, well, if Ireland play this way, we can stop them. And they have stopped them. So it's just about developing attacking options. And that, that is where Wales are blessed, that they have to come at it from the other way around. You forget all of the, this sort of Welsh way, because that's, that is the natural way that Wales will never have any problem scoring tries. They have a problem about providing the base on which it's all built. Scotland and Ireland have the base, but don't have the flourish. Martin, are you as optimistic as Eddie for Scotland or not? No, not at all. I, 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 Eddie's very right to say they have the same kind of problem as Italy at 10. Scotland have got a very definite problem there. But they've also got a problem at 12, they've got a problem at 13, 14, 15. <laughs> I think the backs. I mean, you can't argue with the Scottish... 17, 19. You can't argue with the Scottish pack. That's fine. I mean, Jason White... Is it fine? Well, it's... OK, it's, okay. Not, it's not world-beating, but the, the maybe the front 
row and maybe when Nathan Hines goes relatively soon the second row will need some work but Jason White can't start at the moment which is in, not a bad situation to be in as far as back rows go mm. but they rip Mike Blair fine player but at 10 desperately desperately poor Okay, the- let's just move on to Italy finally before we speak to Sean Edwards. Um, Ian, Italy, well, I mean, I, I it's was, another new dawn. What, what uh, well, you- another new dawn. I, I was, you could make a case, although Italy have the wooden spoon for putting you know, two or three of their forwards in a, a best of the Six Nations 15, I think. Mm. Uh, Are they per- progressing? Um, they're they difficult to beat. Game, they beat Scotland. But um, like Scotland, they must find a proper fly half. If Andrea you- Massey is a, is a good footballer, but I'm not sure that he's going to grow into the fly half that Nick Mallet wants him to be. They're very competitive, and you'd say that Sergio Parisi, Martin Castro-Giovanni have once again had outstanding cool. tournaments. They missed Bortolami, but um, they'll, they'll get better under I always under get the impression that, that they're, 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 they're really the same as they were last you, year. You know, they mm. win one game, and everyone thinks, this is it, mm. and nothing happens. Why not put it this way? This year, they put a couple of backs moves together, only two, admittedly, in, two, in a couple of games. And Gonzalo Canali dropped it, so maybe next mm. year he'll catch it. Mm. That's the kind of progress that Italy are going to make. It's, it's, mm. it's in increments. It's, it's short, but they're making it. Well, let's hope so, because we could do with a really strong Italy. Now, listen, I'm delighted to say we can uh, be joined now by Sean Edwards, coach of Wasps. Good win today. And uh, coach also to the Welsh rugby team. How are you, Sean? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Fantastic. I'm tired. Are you? I bet you are. How many yeah. interviews have you done today? Uh, one or two. One or two. Nice. It's okay. Nice. What's the most common question you've answered today? Um, contract, contract. <laughs> what does it feel like? What does it feel like, really? Okay, I'm Possibly. Not, what does it feel like then? <laughs> it feels belted, as they say in Wigan. I bet it does. Listen, I'll get a boring question out of the way and then we can talk about the joys of rugby first. Um, your contract, you haven't got one. Are you staying with Wales? Because the Welsh Rugby Union say you've got a verbal contract with Warren, so you're going to stay till 2010. Well, I'm hoping that um, I can get two contracts working side by side, one with the Welsh Rugby Union. And one with Wasp, because I think we've both parties have proven that this thing can work. You know, obviously to be involved in Tasha Rugby has been, has been a great thrill for me. And I think it's also helped to help him to make me a better coach, which is good for the Wasp as well. And uh, there's a few little minor details to sort out. But I'd like to think I could sign a contract which will last till 2011 after the next World Cup. What would happen, though, if England came calling tomorrow? Um, it's just an hypothetical question, so... There's no need for me to answer that. So they haven't then? <laughs> no, they haven't. No, I mean, they've got very good coaching staff in place. And, uh, you know, England are the most successful team of the century in the World Cup. And they've done that because I'm sure they've got very good coaches. Eddie, what would you like to say about Sean's performance for Wales without uh, sparing his blushes too much? Well, no, I think he's been outstanding. And I, was, I always thought that Sean Edwards from Wigan would get on with the rugby players of Wales. I mean, they're all, they're, they're both a bit bonkers really you know it, they, they, it's, a, it's a marriage of minds but I just think he's been fantastic he's just he's galvanised a, a, a set of players that were just ripe to be given shrewd guidance and uh, yeah and, they, and perhaps a little bit of, of, of discipline and uh, you know everybody thinks it's just been a shouting match in Wales it's very technical and it's very technical and the, and, and the players have proven themselves to be to be good students and Sean has turned out to be a very wise professor are you a bit bonkers Sean? Um, I'd like to think not. Um, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you share something with the Welsh? Do you feel like you've got a bond? Well, there's a definite, there's definite similarities between people from South Wales and the north of England. There's no doubt about that. In that, they're very, very passionate about the rugby. Obviously, in the north of England, it's rugby league mainly. But in the end, rugby people are rugby people, and uh, I'm a fan of both codes of rugby. 
and there's, there's, there's a huge similarity. I know that the people from the north of England uh, loved going for the Challenge Cup final to Wales because, you know, number one, it's the vicinity of the ground, fantastic stadium, and number two is because they, they were made to feel extremely welcome by the people of Wales. Um, was one of your philosophies when you joined the Welsh team, forget the past, this is now... Well, it's not a matter of me forgetting passes. It's a matter of the players forgetting passes. Yeah, you're right. And that, you know, I, I, we went in, both Warren, myself, and Rob, and all the guys. That I've been mean, asked many, many times, you know, what went wrong at the World Cup. I'm like, well, I've no idea. I wasn't there. Another thing too, you've got to remember is that Wales were just probably two missed penalties away from actually getting the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Uh, were they may they may have done very well against South Africa? Who knows? But there's no doubt that the players been a joy to work with for me. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got the just rewards for all the hard work they put in. And what would you say was the main thing that you and Warren have changed with the I have no idea because I wasn't there before, as I said. But all, all I can say is the way we work is that we're very honest and we have a great unity among both the coaching staff and amongst the players. Ian, what do you think he's changed or what do you think that the coaching staff has changed? One important, speaking specifically, it was very important that uh, Warren Gatland persuaded Martin Williams, who had retired from international rugby, to play on in December. Mm. And he's got... Gavin Henson has been integrated into the side now. He's no longer that figure brooding on the sidelines. He seems part of the I think it's symbolic that his hair's now flat, rather than standing up. I think he's caring about his rugby now, (laughs) rather than his tan. Rather than his wax. Do you get on with Gavin, Sean? Gavin Henson's been an absolute joy to work with, and uh, what I like is individuals. Um, I'd hate to have all my players behaving, looking, and acting exactly the same. You know, we'll give them specific rules which are very, very general to, to adhere to, i.e. turn up on time, <laughs> train hard when you're there, and then rest of the time, live your own personal life. And uh, I think that's really important that people are treated as individuals. And certainly, all I can say, Gavin Anderson has been defensive captain. He doesn't speak a lot, but when he does, you know, I, I usually adhere to what he says because he might want to change the formation in defence from a certain set piece, etc., and I know that he's thought long and heard about it beforehand. And what do you make of Shane Williams? How great a player is he, Sean? Well, he's, I think he's a player that everybody um, gets excited to. He makes you sit on the edge of your seat. He's a small player, and, which is becoming less and less familiar in the game of rugby. And uh, But he's unbelievably strong. I mean, some of the weights that he lifts in the gym are just staggering for such a small guy on that shoulder on the pitch. Um, Stephen Jones was saying the reason we've only conceded two tries in the Championship is because we're scared of the new management team, particularly you. Are you scary? Oh, no, I'm sure Stephen's just saying that tongue-in-cheek. And, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of it, I can assure you, I haven't made one tackle throughout the whole of Six Nations. And uh, it's all been down to the players' hard work and honesty and self-critical analysis. It's got to be the defence, though, that's changed, Eddie, hasn't it, don't you think? No, I don't, not just the defence, but it is. I mean, it, 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 that has improved. I think the forwards have improved immensely, just the set-piece work and just the eagerness the, just to, to learn and to respond quickly to new ways and methods, you know, and still, and still maintain that flair. I think, I think Wales has been a joy to watch. Just want to ask you, Sean, about England, because we've talked about England and how they might change in the future. What have you made of their performances in the Six Nations? Because we're all a little confused as to, you know, can a leopard change its spots? Can they play in a certain way? Is Cipriani the answer? Um, so many conflicting performances in the Six Nations. What have you made of them? Well, one thing I will say, there's no, there's no denying that England are the, or have been, since the turn of the century, the best performing team in the World Cup. The reason for that is the fact that English players perform 
best under pressure. Now, whether that's to do with the uh, the playoff system, which is now in place to decide, you know, the grand final winners, the champions of England, or whether it's to do with the fact that the Heineken Cup is formulated in exactly the same system of a World Cup, I don't know. But you notice that in the pressure games, and there's no doubt that the game against Ireland was a pressure game for a lot of those players. England do perform. And in a big game, you want to have your money on England, I tell you. How do you think Wales are going to get on against South Africa? I must ask you before we stop. Well, that, that, that is, um, that's been a question I have been asked a couple of times today. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, we'll be going to South Africa as the champions of the Northern Hemisphere. And that carries a responsibility. And we don't want to go down, and I know for sure Warren doesn't want to go down the, just to make up the numbers against the Southern Hemisphere team. And I'm sure he'll be picking his strongest team. We'll be preparing hard, hard and thoroughly for the, for the contest, and we, we're not just there to make up the numbers. Well, I know that all of Wales and certainly probably all of rugby uh, want to wish you great success and fantastic what you've done so far. So thanks very much, Sean, and thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Uh, just a quick round up then, Eddie. Uh, the Six Nations goes from strength to strength, doesn't it? It does if you're well set for sure. But, uh, well, no, there have been people in the in the past saying, you know, it's the Six Nations is no longer the, the tournament it was. But I think this year it's... Rubbish, absolute rubbish. It's a, it's a great circus. The Six Nations is the best annual rugby circus in the world, bar none. And it, it, it may not have uh, wonderful standards. I mean, the standard mm. of play was pretty woeful at times, but... But every game had drama, there were close finishes, there were upsets, there were surprises, and there was fun to be had. I think Wales played with a smile, and, uh, and, a tr- and the title was won by the side that played the best rugby. And that, that's, that's all you can ask for, really. Right, I've got three questions to ask you all before we finish. Uh, very simple questions. Ian, your player of the tournament. Have to be Shane Williams, not just for breaking Gareth Thomas's scoring record. I think thought he was outstanding. Martin? Ryan Jones. Why? Wales well, number eight for not being expected to be as good a leader as he was. Eddie, player of the tournament? I, I'm going for somebody obvious, I suppose, but I was <laughs> Martin Williams. I just, I, but I'd just like to say a special mention of somebody who's unsung, and that's Ian Goff in the second row mm. of Wales. But Martin Williams, he's just a very special rugby player. Ian, your disappointment or villain of the tournament? Disappointment of the tournament was the Scotland-England match. And like Eddie, I thought it was the worst international I've ever seen. It was dire. Uh, Martin, villain, um, disappointment? Disappointment, the referee's attitudes to rucking, and villain would be a pantomime villain, which would be Mark Regan, much missed. OK. Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, the head and shoulders above everything else was the Scotland-England game. I just thought it was it was misery <laughs> on 30 legs. OK, well, fair enough. Disappointment if you expected it. That was, the, uh, that was the villain of the tournament as well. And Eddie, your most memorable moment? Oh, that would have been... To Shane Williams' try yesterday, not just in the context of the game, but just being the one that took him ahead of Gareth Thomas in the all-time list. He is great, and I, and I, and I love him for being small in a big man's world. Yeah, well, it was interesting to hear what Sean said exactly, about the weights exactly, that he picks up. Yeah. Um, Ian, most memorable moment for I'm you? Sure, there's a moment. I think, I think it was Wales's comeback at Twickenham. I still can't come to terms with that. Most memorable moment, Martin, finally? I would go for Nick Mallett crying after <laughs> meeting Scotland because God knows rugby makes me want to weep sometimes as well. Good man. Martin, thank you very much. Martin Peggelly, rugby writer for Guardian and various others. Ian Malin, rugby writer for The Guardian. Thank you, boys. And uh, to Eddie Butler, the rugby correspondent of The Observer. Thanks very much indeed, Eddie. Uh, to Sean thank Edwards you. and to Rupert Moon, who were with us, and to all of you who've downloaded us, listening to us, who've 
posted your blogs. We thank you very much. Just because we're finishing doesn't mean you have to keep uh, posting your blogs to us. But that is it for our final Six Nations show for 2008 on guardian.co.uk. This is Ian Payne. Until next time, goodbye. Six Nations Rugby from guardian.co.uk. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.